everybody, this is Pat Francis from the Rock Solid Podcast, and you're listening to P.F. Wilson's Tape Recorder. I'm P.F. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, it's Murray Valeriano. The only nice thing, Mitzi Shore, the owner of the comedy store who passed away last year, the only nice thing she ever said to me was, you're a good writer. You remind me of Gary Shandling. She was 112 when she said that. (laughs) She could have thought she was talking to her cat. I don't know. (laughs) So Murray Valeriano is a good friend of a good friend of ours. He is a friend of Pat Francis's uh, from the Rock Solid podcast. In fact, Murray is one of the rotating co-hosts of Rock Solid. And he is coming to Cincinnati, which gave us an opportunity to talk to him. So we had a great chat with Murray about music and comedy and such. We have a song of the week coming up from Haim. But first, as always, a dumb bit. This isn't a dumb bit so much as it's a, uh, cause a dumb commentary, and I wanted to also do something that you know didn't involve uh, the, our current political climate because, uh, hoo-wee, it's a big mess right now. Anyway, uh, a couple of weeks ago, radio personality Don Imus passed away, and uh, I was always kind of an Imus fan uh, in the spirit of things. I was surprised when I, I found out on Twitter, and I was surprised at all the trending topics. Uh, I mean, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was at first uh, surprised that all of the trending topics related to his passing uh, were tied to this. Girls from Rutgers, man, they got tattoos and some hardcore hoes. That's, that's a nappy-headed hose there. I'm going to tell you that now. <laughs> oh, man. man, that's some... So, so that was uh, from back in the early 2000s. Um, uh, you know, a big controversy back then, rightly so. And uh, the thing with that was is that while it, it was a dumb thing to say and should he have been fired, yes, and, and here's why. You know, he late in his career, Imus kind of developed this persona of you know the cantankerous old man who he says you know, including outrageous, including racist things, and you know, and it worked for him even though it was a, a shtick. What I always tell my comedy writing students is the the formula for comedy is, and this works pretty well, is the punchline has to be greater than the setup. And it, in this case, it most certainly was not, and here's why. He stonewalled for a while after he said that, and he refused to apologize. I mean, he made an apology like a couple days later, but he really didn't embrace it until Al Sharpton had him on his show. But anyway, uh, what I must failed to realize at, the, at that point was, because he tried to run, as use one of his own expressions, he had tried to run some jive by that, well, rappers use that expression when referring to women in their songs. Yes, because they can do that because they're African-American. That's what they're allowed to do. See how that works? And that's the thing that people have still have a hard time wrapping their head around. You know, even though Bernard McGurk, uh, his one, his producer, uh, would do this character in an Irish voice of uh, the the uh, the cardinal from New York. Um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. It was a shtick. He'd put this envelope on his head and make it look like he was... And, but... And, you, and he's Irish, and you can do that. But not only that, Irish people are white people. The country is still mostly white people, so that's a completely different thing. Anyway, so I must you're not a member of the African-American community, so you, you can't do that. And I would point to his arch nemesis, uh, Howard Stern. Howard Stern uh, grew up, and I think it was at least – it was a pretty diverse uh, area of New York, so he would comment about it all the time on his show. And his best friend professionally and probably personally – is a black woman, Robin Quivers. And even at that, Howard Stern never in a million years would do that because he knows he's not part of that community. So anyway, um, 
that was, you know, and you can't pull, you know, when Imus grew up, it was a, no, no, no. He's a 60-odd-year-old man. He should know that. Now, uh, and oddly, he, I guess if you look back and do some research, you know, if we're going by the punchline should be greater than the setup thing, Imus should have been fired a long time ago for a lot of stuff because, weirdly, he said some really anti-Semitic stuff about Howard Stern. Howard Stern is Jewish. Imus also considers himself to be a Jew because he would always say when new stations came on to his network, he would say, Oh, you folks out there probably never heard a Jewish person on the radio referring to himself. So that was awfully weird. But anyway, the the thing that I just f- found strange about all this was the fact, and we discussed this with Ben Glieb, uh just uh, uh, the other day, and that interview is going to run probably next week, uh, is the fact that, you know, not everything gets the death penalty. That's that's the thing. It's like if in, in this cancel culture that we have now, th- there's got to be – if you go – the way crime laws work in this country – if you say I'm going to shoot somebody, kill somebody, and you shoot them dead, that's first degree murder. You go to jail and or get the death penalty, and that and rightly so. If you uh, rob a store and use a gun and are convicted, it's a different penalty than if you just go in and grab money out of the register and run out the door. You know, that's the and there's there's degrees to punishment, and I, you know I think looking back doing research on this, but I'm thinking like, geez, this guy should have been caught and locked up a long time ago, referring to Imus because of some of the things he said that were just, you know, just not appropriate, even though it was back in the 80s and we were all dicks back then. Even for the 80s, it was pretty outrageous. But in any case, uh, that's just my point is, you know, let's let's just get a handle on things and, you know, and, and, and dish out the appropriate, you know, punishment or restriction or sanctions, as you would call them, uh, you know, as, as they come along. And, and that's it. And, uh, you know, it, racist tendencies, though they were, uh, you, know, you know, rock and peace, Don Imus. Murray Valeriano is a stand-up comedian who was originally from New Jersey, but quickly made his home in California as soon as he had a chance. Here now is our interview with Murray Valeriano. Hey, Murray. Hey. It's PF. How are you, buddy? Good. How are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Good. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you perfectly. All right, cool. Good. Excellent. G- good to finally talk to you. I-, I hear you more than I talk to you. This is the first time I've talked to you. <laughs> I, this is the first time I've heard you. Yeah. Um, well, I guess maybe you called in a couple times. Um, well, uh, no, I was. I did an episode of Rock Solid with Pat back in mm. June that dropped in October, the OMD uh, UFO yes. episode. Yeah. Oh, you were the UFO episode? Yeah, yeah, that's me. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't listened to that yet. I'm catching up on all my podcasts. So I am behind you. I used to have like a really long commute. I used to work up in Dayton, so I had like an hour each way. So I was always caught up, and now I'm just like so far behind on everyone's podcast. It's crazy. I, I know, me too. This, I'm, catch, I'm catching up on I've been on the road a lot, so I'm catching up. This there you week. go. That's cool. Uh, so yeah, your first trip to Cincinnati, that's pretty cool. How did that come about? Um, just, uh, one of the bookers and one of the comics knows me and said, Hey, come on out. So we'll do a weekend out there. Yeah, but that's, uh, it's good. Cause we don't really get a lot of, uh, we get some new people sometimes. And of course, a lot of times, uh, Mikey books, you know, people he knows. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, we see Andy Woodhall every year. Uh, we see, um, you know, a couple different people that are club favorite. Chad Daniels, another favorite. He'll be there, uh, the oh, yeah. week before yeah, you. I went. just saw his special. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. 
he's awesome. But then it's fun to get new people that we haven't had before. So I guess they've done a good job of balancing that. And and what a surprise we get Murray Valeriano, uh, yeah. fresh from Los Angeles. So um, so so folks who don't know who haven't listened to Rock Solid, you're one of the rotating co-hosts. And uh, and you um had an interesting uh, I guess uh, growing up. You grew up in kind of a, a bit of a religious family. Oh yeah, my dad was a Southern Baptist preacher. Okay, and uh, so. and so you you weren't able to listen to, to to the rock and roll growing up. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, no, I wasn't allowed to go to movies. I wasn't listening proud to listen to music. I even went to anti rock rallies, <laughs> which were hilarious in hindsight. Oh my gosh! By the way, I should point out that I grew up in the eighties. So yeah, yeah, you know. Right. I was being told the music I was listening to was satanic, but it was like Jadabug. Yeah. Right. You know, like, <laughs> well, hey. Really? That's satanic? Okay. I don't get it. Hey. You think, think about what George Michael was up to then. I, to, to some people, yeah, right. it certainly was. Yeah, yeah. So um, so were you allowed to watch TV at all? or? Uh, yeah, we watched TV a little bit, but they would go through bouts of it was sinful and like lock it in the closet, and then they'd have three kids running around racing hell, so they brought it back out. <laughs> there you can calm everybody down. Yeah, uh, Jeff Tate has a, a similar upbringing. His uh, uh, dad was a preacher, and uh, the only show that they were allowed to watch was Cheers. So that, of course, isn't Jeff Tate's favorite show of all time now. So right, yeah, yeah. Oh, of... I love Jeff. Jeff's great. Jeff oh. is actually how I got into uh, Go Bananas. Oh, there you go. He told the booker about me. So. There, there you go. Well, there, that there you have it. Yeah, Jeff. Jeff is fantastic. Um, I, I felt badly for him when, when Tom Petty passed away. The first guy I thought of, Jeff Tate. What's Jeff going to do? Oh, I know, man. Yeah. I uh, I texted Pat Francis, the post of Rock Solid, and who's yes. a big Tom Petty fan, and he didn't hear. And he like ended up. Oh, I told him over text. Yeah, I um I saw Tom Petty with uh, Mud Crutch at a music festival about two years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the only time I ever saw Tom Petty. Uh, either you know with heartbreakers of himself or or whatnot, and um, I think he did one of his one of a heartbreaker song, but the rest was all mud crutch stuff. And then, oh, really? I think I may be misremembering wow. that, or maybe I was I thinking was sure. going to do that. But we we had to leave. he kept going, and I wanted to go. I can't remember who was headlining on the other stage. It was either Young. It was Killers. It was the Killers. So okay. I had I had to leave. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, had to, I would I had, not see Tom Petty. I had to go. I had to go across the uh, thing to see Killers, who may or may not be my third favorite band. That is to that is to really? be answered. Yeah. Well, there's there's a big debate. Uh, I was telling right. I was telling Pardo about this. I'm gonna do a podcast called My Third Favorite Band because everyone who knows me knows my two favorite bands are the Beach Boys and Orchestra Maneuvers in the Dark. And but then and Pat's had this discussion on his show. It's he's uh, Cheap Trick and UFO. And he goes, sure. I don't know who my third favorite band is. And that's kind of gave me the idea. I'm like, well, who's my third favorite band? So I thought it'd be fun to do a podcast, uh, a finite one, maybe 12, 15 episodes, and have candidates for who could be my third favorite band and then kind of listen to tunes and make the determination who is my third favorite band. And my wife insists uh-huh. my wife insists it's the Killers. Uh, <laughs> it may be. Uh, I do like the Killers a lot, but there are a lot of other people that could be uh, that could claim the title. So I'll have to... Yeah, huh. yeah. I like I like Hot Fuss, but after that, I'm I'm out on the Killers. Oh yeah, well, Hot Fuss is amazing, but uh, yeah, there are some there are some rough spots on some of the albums. But boy, the the peaks are really high though. Still, even after yeah. Hot Fuss, so that would, keeps me engaged. And boy, uh, the Glastonbury set from this past year, holy crap! The, oh really? The last two songs in the encore. Uh, so the encore, they roll out uh, Neil and Chris from Pet Shop Boys. Then they do Always on My Mind. 
and then they do human. Chris and Neil stay with him and do human. And then uh, uh, Flower says, I'm the double fucking down right now. Brings out Johnny Marr. <laughs> the, the pet shop boys leave. And, and Flowers is like, oh, they say don't meet your heroes, but those guys seem okay. Um, then Marr comes out. They do uh, This Charming Man. And then they finish with uh, Mr. Brightside. Wow. Yeah. YouTube that. They, they, BBC had it up. They took it down. Some fan put it up. They took it down. It currently is back up. So, yeah, check out the – and the whole show is great. That sounds awesome. But just check out the encore. Yeah, yeah. So just based on that, they they probably are my third favorite band. <laughs> but Seriously, anyway. they might be my third favorite band after that. I don't like <laughs> right? Flowers. You've, you've – exa- yeah, I know you said that before. You don't think he's much of a front man. I think he's hilarious. Yeah. I don't know, you know what it is. I will say this. I'll give him credit for uh, – I think Danny Harrison put on a uh, – a uh, like a concert remembering his dad, George Harrison – it's not the big one that everybody watches. It's yeah. the smaller one. And uh, Brandon Flowers does I Got My Mind Set on You, and it's really oh. good. Oh, i got to check that out. I, I always like that song, even though, as, as Weird Al yeah. pointed out to us later on, it is essentially six words. But, uh, yeah, yeah totally. that's, I like And also, while you're there, check out Weird Al doing uh, What Is Life. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Fantastic. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, people think Weird Al is a, one, a one-trick a pony. And I point out to my students, I teach the comedy writing too, because we do a section on um, parody songs. And uh-huh. I say, uh, first of all, uh, it's been said it's hard to write a song. It's good, easy to write a song. It's hard to write a good song. And that certainly applies to parody songs. And sure. secondly, Weird Al's got a lot of funny songs that are actually originals. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. got a whole, yeah. My favorite song by him is called Bob. I'll, I'll have to check that one out. I like... um. What is it? Uh, you don't love me anymore. Uh, uh-huh. Is fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah. Christmas at Ground Zero. We heard that this time here. Yeah, so people would yeah, do well. Great. And he's super talented in his band. Super talented. Oh yeah. Um, so how did you? I know, remember what the kind of the background of the rock solid thing. Uh, he who shall not be named. Gary Lucy, mm-hmm. who's a, right. <laughs> sort of a friend of the show. Um, mm-hmm. Gary Lucy got me on TV, so I can't be mad at Gary Lucy. He was um, he was working some show and they needed he knew I was in Cincinnati and he goes hey we're doing a, a show about chili restaurants in Cincinnati uh, go show up at this place and I'm like okay <laughs> so my family and I did we, we were on TV oh, on the Travel Channel so anyway so but um, before he left he suggested to Pat that some other people that might be interested in co-hosting the show and Pat got a little suspicious and did you know Pat before that or did you kind of guys move in the same circle or uh, it's weird I I met Pat probably a year before that. Okay. But we both run into all his friends are my friends. Yeah, I thought especially so. Especially in the comedy world. Yep. Mike Siegel, Jimmy Pardo, Chip Cherry, yep. Graham Elwood. Right. All those guys. But I never met Pat for some reason. And I remember watching early Never Not Funnies live from uh, the UCB Theater. Yeah. And Pat would be there playing his iPod. And I'm like, who is that guy? <laughs> Dirty <laughs> he iPod. He's so normal. He can't be a comedian. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, and then eventually I met him. At uh, we went to see, we went to uh, went to see a concert together. I don't remember who it was though, but it was at the Troubadour in Los Angeles. And so then, in, did he approach you, or were you one of the people that Gary had mentioned? Um, he approached he approached me actually, if I remember correctly. Okay, 
And um, and I've never even pointed this out to him. I know he was kind of upset by the whole Gary thing. Plus, you know, Matt decided not to produce the show anymore. But it right. all worked out for the better because Kyle turned out to be great as a producer because he like contributed a lot more. And sure. um, and I the the four I, what I guess I guess you would call the four original co-hosts now uh, minus Gary, which would be uh, you, Siegel, uh, April, and um, Christy. Uh, fantastic. I mean, it was a much better show because everybody loves all of you. So, oh, that's good here. <laughs> it's not, I mean, at least I, I do because Rock Solid is one of the few shows I still got out of the way to listen to if I can weekly. Like, I'm a few weeks behind now, but that was always, and no matter who turns up, even if it's just Kyle and, and Pat, it's fine. If it's, if, but you're there, great. Siegel's there, great. <laughs> Christy's there, great. When April was there, uh, great. So, it was, it was never a dud. It was never like, oh, geez, we got to you know, skip this one. But, uh, <laughs> right. No, it was yeah. good for. I was a fan before, um, before I became a co-host. Before Gary left, I knew I hired Gary. I was writing on a TV show, and I hired him to uh, be one of the writers. And he said, "Oh, you got to check out my podcast because he knew I was into music." So oh, okay. I, was, I was listening for years before I got asked. Oh, okay. Well, oh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, I was going to mention that too. You also, besides doing the standing up comedy, uh, also do a lot of TV writing. Yes. Yeah, and did you? I guess you did. We're doing the stand-up first, and you got to kind of pull into the TV writing. How did that come about? No, I actually, I, I, I was doing, I was doing a, a a weekly show at a comedy club. Me and my uh, two partners, so kind of like uh, stand-up sketch and improv mostly, and we got a pilot deal off that. Oh. And then when that when that didn't go anywhere, production company who liked us hired me to write another pilot for a kid's show, and then that kind of just went like that, and then I'd say about a year or two after that, I got into stand-up full-time. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh, I did not know that. Well, there you go. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of got a little backwards. Kind of like Gary Shandling. He came out to, from Arizona, where you are right now, actually, to uh, write on Sanford and & Son, and yes. then he started doing stand-up. Yeah, 100%. Well, the only thing, the only nice thing, Mitzi Shore, the owner of the comedy store who passed away last year, ever, the only nice thing she ever said to me was... You're a good writer. You remind me of Gary Shandling. Oh, wow. Oh, that is high praise. Of course, she was 112 when she said that. (laughs) She she could have thought she was talking to her cat. I don't know. (laughs) That's true. Hey, she still said it. We'll take it. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So did did it feel kind of odd going into it, or did you kind of have the confidence, like, well, I know I can write, and I've been in front of audiences, so, or or was it still kind of scary because it's it's still a bit of a different thing? Um, I was... I don't remember. How, well, I remember it was definitely nerve wracking, but I don't remember how scared I was before the first time I went up. But I remember being so excited afterwards. I don't even remember if I bombed or how well I did. I was just so excited that I finally did it. So, what's the balance now between doing stand up? Because it always seems to get you have dates coming up whenever you're on Rock Solid. You always have things to mention, but then it also seems like you're doing. I know cause you've worked. Uh, you worked for VH1 for a while, didn't you? Didn't you do like a shows for them in years past? Uh, no, mostly MTV. MTV, okay. Uh, Siegel did the VH1. Yeah, Siegel, Siegel did the VH1. You know, I get confused a lot. I, do, I confused your podcast. My, my apologies. <laughs> so for, so uh, you Road Stories. What is Road Stories about? Because that's what uh, I... Road Stories is just uh, it's comics coming on telling the crazy shit that happens on the road. And I imagine there's plenty of it. Oh yeah, it never it never stops. I I, th- I always feel like oh, once you get to a certain level, the the BS that that comes along with this stops, but it doesn't. I mean, I've had Brian Regan on and Bill Ingvall and you know these top comics who are still having to deal with the you know the crap that goes along with traveling and entertaining. 
the like people trying to stiff him or think like what what kind what kind of is there is it different crazy stuff that happens when you're a Billingvall or Brian Regan or is it just do they run into the same stuff? Um, I don't. I, I think I think the quality of the crap just gets better. If that makes any sense at all. <laughs> and no, what do you mean exactly? Well, all right. Let's say you got to deal. All right. Let's say when you're on a lower level, you got to deal with, uh, you know, going to a bar gig that doesn't have uh, a microphone and okay. you have to yell over trunks. <laughs> okay. All right. And then let's say you're Bill Engvall and you fly your private jet to a, a corporate where you're making a, you know, more money in one night than most people make during the year. And they get there and they don't have a sound system. Because they didn't realize they needed a sound system. Oh, okay. I so see. I just say the quality yeah, yeah. of the right, right. Uh, okay. conflicts get better. That makes sense. Um, getting back to the music thing. So you, as I recall, you, um, it's your, your older brother kind of got you into music as he kind of clandestinely got albums into the house. Is that my Well, that? I guess inadvertently he got me into music. He, I don't think he's not a big music fan, but he's quite a bit older than me. So he was over 18, so he could... Uh. You know, he had a stereo. I think he, he paid rent to my parents, you know. Yeah, so yeah. he had a stereo. So while he was at work, I would sneak down to his bedroom and listen to whatever album he had. And I swear uh-huh. he only had five albums. <laughs> and I think I can name them. Hold on. Okay. Exit Stage Left, Rush. I listen to that one a lot. Okay. Love Stinks, Jay Giles Band. Oh, there you go. I listen to that one a lot. I was always really baffled by the track No Anchovies, Please. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that also. one. Oh Here. man, yeah. <laughs> um, heart. It was either. Is it? What is it? steam? Not steamboat Annie. Dreamboat Annie. It was heart. Pink Floyd. Wish you were here. And Pink Floyd. Uh, Dark Side of the Moon. Wow. There you go. And, oh, and America's Greatest Hits. He had six. Okay. <laughs> So when were you actually allowed, like when you left the house, did you, or did you, um, right, I guess around 16, my parents just kind of gave up on me. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, at that point I was sneaking out to concerts. Uh, okay. You know, I was, I had snuck albums in and had, uh, my first album I got, my buddy bought me for Christmas. I think it was tonight. No, was it tonight? But David Bowie, I think so. And then I'm like, oh, this is great. I love Baby Boy. I can't keep it at my house, so you keep it at your house. And so I kept it at his house and then gave it to another friend. <laughs> That's pretty clever. And yeah. So how did you wind up in Los Angeles from New Jersey? Uh, I just wanted to – I've always been obsessed with California. Same. So I just – as soon as I could, I just packed up the car and drove across country. Uh, you see, I go back and forth, though. I know there, I, I, and I've just settled on the fact that if you have steady work, California is fantastic. But – if you don't, it can be kind of sucky. And um, we were out there for the first time this summer. I, the first time my wife and I have been out there since 95 or 6. And uh-huh. we brought the whole family out, and they were all kind enough to, to be patient for three hours while I recorded that show with Pat in Studio City. Oh, right. Well, they went shopping. And um, weirdly, my daughter got to go to a uh, miniature golf course like five miles from Studio City where her favorite band shot a video. So they ran all around my her and my oldest daughter, who's 22, shooting pictures at it and posting it on the group's uh, Instagram account. And all the fans are like, well, how did you find that? And my daughter's like, it says Santa Monica Miniature Golf Course right on the carpet they're standing on. 
<laughs> didn't take a lot of detective work. So um, they got to do that while I talked about OMD and uh, oh, UFO great. with Pat. Yeah, yeah. What was uh, what was what's your favorite band? Oh, the wall. Uh, they're called Wallows, not the Wallows. They're called Wallows, and uh, the the one of the kids in it's a three piece. Uh, one of the kids is uh, almost equally famous for being in Thirteen Reasons Why. He's the actor in that. Okay. The other kid has done some acting work, and then the third kid, the drummer, they um, they got him because they, the other two went to a, a band camp, and they were just assigned this guy to be their drummer, and he's their drummer to this day. So, oh, very cool. That's in, a cool story. In, in garden variety indie rock, they got some good. They can write tunes though. I, I um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I recommend I recommend nineteen eighties horror film uh, if you're going to start at, at your dive, um, and they have a, a line in their one song, their last single is uh, "We Lost Our Innocence to Heaven or Las Vegas." And my daughter's friend's father was at one of their meet and greets, and he, and he said, is that a Cocteau Twins reference? And they're like, yes, it is. <laughs> we were like, yeah, right? And we're like, whoa, that's, now that's impressive. <laughs> 20-year-old kids listening to Cocteau Twins. Very good, very good, sir. So, so that explains probably your surfing obsession, too, then. Would you, 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 when did you get into surfing? Uh, I got into surfing about 20 years ago. <clears throat> I, uh, my buddy and I were just just really starting to work professionally and uh as writers and uh stand-ups uh it just we're completely went from being really fun to being really stressful all of a sudden and so we were working on a script together and we just like we got to do something for ourselves and we both said oh we always wanted to take surf lessons and so we didn't get a surf lesson we just went and rented a board in a wetsuit and got our (laughs) butt kicked by the Pacific Ocean for two hours, and oh I fell in love with it and been doing it ever since. That is cool. Uh, you Beach Boys fan growing up, but with like in California and doing the surfing. Yeah, definitely. The Beach Boys were the first, really the first people to turn me on to California. Same. That's the thing I always tell people. My two favorite bands pretty much are my entire aesthetic uh, between the Beach Boys and OMD. California, Pretty Girl, Sunshine, Warm Weather, all that stuff. America. Uh, orchestral maneuvers in the dark, uh, uh, British people, uh, keyboards, uh, all that stuff. So just between those two bands, it's pretty much everything that I'm about. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, that's cool. And that, is that how you met Graham? Because the only other surfing comic I know is Graham and then the the other the, the guys he runs around with. Uh, no, I actually, no, I knew Graham from stand-up. Oh, okay. And, uh, it was funny. I remember when I ran into him in the water because I knew him when I first started out and then I... I I kind of stopped stand up for a, a few years because I got heavy into writing for TV. And during that time I ran into him in the water and I remember thinking to myself, damn, I just want this to be my escape. And there's another comic in the water. <laughs> yeah. Well, he does shows, um, the, is it the, with surfing and comedy with like a couple other guys, uh, whose names I'm familiar with, but I don't really know. I, um, I, yeah, I had that tour, uh, of comics who surf. Yeah. It, Graham was one of them. Yeah. Um, Greg Barris not mixed up in that, is he? He just likes, he's... No, he just is in that surf, surf guitar. Yeah, this is it. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think so. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Cool. And so for like 2020 and coming up, is it going to be doing more stand-up or are you still getting some steady TV work? Um, I, I just, I'm, lit, you're, I'm on the road right now, so that's yeah. why I, I probably sound terrible but on this. But um, tonight's my last night. I've been on the road for since late October. Oh, okay. With like only two days home at a time. So, uh, I'm going to take some time off, uh, touring, um, and kind of hang out the first quarter. I mean, I'll be, I'll go head out to obviously to Cincinnati in January. Um, 
but that's about it. I think I'm just going to stay local and do some TV writing and do some local spots. There you go. Cool. Yeah, yeah. We, we will try to make it out it's to the... Uh, and I'll go back out on the road again until I get sick of it and stay home again. There you go. Well, sounds, sounds like a, a good system. Um, we will definitely try to come out and see you uh, there at the Go Bananas. Um, my wife always wants to go see, like, you know, who's a good comedian? And whenever uh, we can go, it's it's someone I think she'd be keen on. But, um, oh, man. Th- you are breaking up. I can't hear you. I'm sorry. Uh, so we said we're, we're going to try and make it to, the sh- uh, to one of the shows there at Go Bananas. Oh, great. That'd be awesome. Great to finally meet you. Yeah, yeah, great. And uh, I'll let you know, and I'll bring my lovely wife, and um, yeah, we'll meet in person. Awesome. That'd be fantastic. Okay, man. Well, safe driving. Oh, thanks a lot. Right. Nice talking to you. Yeah, good talking to you, Murray. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Murray Valeriano for being on the show. You can catch Murray at Go Bananas, of course, in Cincinnati this week at January 16th through the 19th. And then uh, he doesn't have any more dates uh, scheduled yet, but he is always touring, particularly uh, on the West Coast and that area. Uh, but he does have some, you know, Midwest and East Coast dates, as we have seen. So just go to murrayvaleriano.com, and that'll take care of all your Murray Valeriano uh, needs there you go so uh, and also listen to the uh, uh, road stories podcast and rock solid as well the two podcasts that he is on one is his actual one that's the uh, travel tales um, i'm sorry that's that's seagulls i did it again road stories is murray valeriano's travel wait oh my god road stories is yeah is murray's travel tales is seagulls uh, we've never spoken to, but we hope to someday. And then, of course, Rock Solid, uh, he uh, appears about every four or five episodes on there as a co-host. There you go. Sorted. So that brings us to the song of the week. Speaking of rock music, it is from Haim. And, uh, you know, I've always liked Haim, I guess. I don't know why I was, I, I thought I was mad at them for a while, but I guess I really wasn't. And uh, this song is called Now I'm In. It is a, it's a standalone single, apparently, and it's uh, been a lot of play on Radio 1 and places like that. And it's um, a little more ethereal than their other stuff. And uh, I think you're going to dig it. Uh, it's, um, it's almost, uh, I would, wouldn't want to say Cynthia in a way, but you'll see what I mean. Uh, very breathy. Uh, of course, one of the Haim sisters was on the Vampire Weekend album, and now her parts have since been taken over by uh, Greta, who used to be in the Hush Sound, and she's doing a fantastic job. So uh, you trade in steak for steak there, as they used to say. And uh, yeah, so anyway, this is Haim's current single. It is our song of the week on PF Tape Recorder. It's Now I'm In It. Haim, so long, and thanks for listening. Good.